0: And Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the twelve disciples apart in the way and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priest and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify him, and the third day he shall rise again. Thank you, and you may be seated, Pastor. Amen. Good to see everybody out tonight. Good to see Sister Barbara here tonight. Amen. We're praying for you lots and lots and lots. Good to see you tonight. Good to see Hunter tonight. Amen. We don't pray for you. Just a little bit. (laughs) No, we do. Certainly do. Good to see you tonight. Let's just take a moment and pray. Let's get our hearts and minds just kind of ready and kind of in gear and in tune. And we'll just spend some time in just a moment of prayer, and I'll close this up here in a minute. Our Father, thank you so much tonight for just the ability and the opportunity to assemble here tonight, and uh, Father, we're looking forward to uh, just what you have for us in your word tonight, and we just ask you, as uh, your word goes out, you would help us, Lord, to be able to receive what you have for us, Father, that you would bind Satan, that you would bind demons, that, Lord, you would remove distractions from here tonight, and uh, Lord, we just ask you that your as your Holy Spirit teaches us and illuminates your word tonight, that we had to have a a doer's heart, that we'd have a heart and an attitude just to say, yes, Lord, thy servant heareth, and speak, Lord, thy servant heareth, Lord. And, uh, Father, that we'd have that attitude, that we'd have that attitude. And, Lord, as you attempt to make the changes in us, and that uh, we'd let you do that. We thank you for those that are able to be here tonight. Pray for those that are not able to be here tonight. God, that you would... Uh, raise them up. You'd heal their bodies. You'd bring them back to us, and we just pray you'd bless in a special way tonight. We thank you in Jesus' name, Amen. Can we change the last song? Thanks. Three sixty three. I think it's just the first, first and the last. Three sixty three. Three sixty three. I think it's yeah. First, you have to really sing. It.
1: Tempted to complain to murmur and despair But Christ will soon appear to catch his right away all tears. All bravely wrought the race till we see Christ. Thy day will soon be all, all storms forever past. We'll cross the great divide to glory. Save bad night we'll share the joys of it See Christ. One glimpse of is your face. All sorrow will erase. So bravely run the race till we see Christ. Good singing, Pastor.
0: That is, I saw that there next. Oh, we got to sing that one. It will be worth it all, amen. And looking forward to that. I love that the tempter will be banished, and uh, we'll lay our burdens down. That will be a great, great day. Can you imagine? I don't know if you spend much time meditating on it, and thinking about what it's going to be like to have a body that never sins, to never know, to never know what it is to have temptation or pain or anything like that. And I tell you what, I. Some days I look forward to that. And uh, about every day I look forward to that. <laughs> Amen. All right. Um, did I give you some things? You yeah, why don't we do this? Would you mind giving everybody one of those? Yep. Just do this. Give one out this week. That's all you got to do. You just give one out. If you want to take more, uh, you can take more. And... <laughs> And uh, just uh, for the tent revival coming up, we do have it online, we'll have more of these printed up, but uh, um, be praying for that, looking forward to that, be inviting to that, if you can figure out a way to get that passed out, uh, that would be great, if you have a, I don't think your work lets you put them on bulletin boards, do they? Uh, If you you had a bulletin board, put them on the boats, put them under the cushion or something like that, (laughs) they would never know, so... Uh, I'll uh, if anything happens, I'll I'll vouch for you. Okay. Everybody, I handed out to they would not able to come. To work. They'll work at night. <laughs> well, maybe they'll get fired by then, and then they can come. You never know. <laughs> you always got to be an optimist. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Amen. So anyway, if you have the opportunity, let's get those passed, and we'll be passing some more out. But just one. And uh, if you need more, we'll have a stack of them out back and uh, somewhere out there. Yeah, you can take it. uh, Yeah, absolutely. See these computer geeks back here? They think of all this good stuff. Take a photo of it and text it to people. You don't even have to get out of your house anymore. Look at that. Just text it and uh, ask your wife. She'll show you. So. (laughs) So looking forward to that. Okay, Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20, if you remember, I don't feel like I'm on here. If you remember last week, Jesus had finished a parable. He had just finished a parable about the vineyard and the calling of the laborers. And we saw there in that parable that some negotiated with Jesus. The very first batch, they went out and negotiated with Jesus, negotiated their salary, and others just came trusting His word. And we saw that there's two categories there. It's, isn't it kind of fascinating throughout all of the different parables? We see uh, these, this, this can, it seems like a, a theme here and there of, uh, of categories of people, two different categories. And you had the category of those who had to negotiate to serve Jesus, and we have those all around us, right? They've got to have the right salary and they've got to have have the right package and they've got to have the right church and the biggest this and the best that and this and that before they serve God and there are others that just go out and say I don't know what I'm going to make and I don't know how we're going to make it but I know this is where God wants us and we're just going to go and I'm going to I'm going to trust the word of my heavenly father and his character and the one who's calling me and and he and, and there were those that that uh, Jesus was showing here in that parable. And everything, but everything that Jesus did, though, we see here was, was uh, on purpose. It was uh, preparatory. It was for a reason to prepare his disciples for, for the ultimate work that he was going to work in their lives and the ultimate work that he's working in our life. If you'd go to John chapter 17, I'm not going to go there tonight. I'm going to try to make up some time here. But you're familiar with the Lord's Prayer there in John chapter 17. And it is the great work of the Lord Jesus... The great work of the Lord Jesus is for us to be one in Him and one in the Father. And that's what He desires for us. That was in His prayer. In uh, in other words, let me say it this way. It is the will of the Father that our life is identified with His life. Watch this, that we would be like Jesus Christ. I heard one pastor say it this way. He said, He he said, the father was so pleased with his son that he wanted many more just like him. And that is you and I. And he's attempting, he's endeavoring to prepare us and to make us into his image. But i got—I got to give you a news flash here. Although God wants us, the Father wants many just like his Son, uh, we're not God. And we're nothing like the Lord Jesus Christ, amen? We have some struggles, do we not? But it is still the will of God. That our identity is the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, brother. Uh, brother Charles Elliott, the last time he was here uh, preaching, he, he, he we were coming. From, I picked him up at Tulsa, and we we're coming back this way. And that's one of the things that he said to me. He said, "Brother Derek, he goes. I just, I'm, I'm afraid. I fear as believers, we have lost our identity." We have lost our identity. We, begin to, we have identified with the world, and we have lost our identity in the Lord Jesus Christ. And God you, wants that. God desires that. That is his goal for us to be like Christ. And we know this, that he uses many different means and measures to get us where he wants us. And the title of my message tonight is Led to Calvary. Led to Calvary. Brother Jim has read our text here, and you see here in verse 17, it says, And Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the twelve disciples apart in the way and said unto them, There is a mission that the Lord Jesus had. He was on a mission, John five thirty. He said, I can do of mine own self, I'm sorry, I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not mine own will, but I seek the will of the Father which hath sent me. Jesus was on a mission. John 6, 39, he said, And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. Jesus had a mission, and his mission was the will of the Father. But what was the the mission of the Father? Well, the mission of the Father was Luke 19, 10, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Watch, if Jesus has come into this earth under the Complete obedience and submission to the Father, and he says, I have come to seek and to save that which was lost. He is also saying, It is the will of the Father that I seek. Right And I seek out to save that which was lost. And so the will of Jesus obviously is the will of the Father. Why? They can never be at odds. They can never disagree. They are always one. And it is the will of the Father, the mission of the Father, to save those who are lost. John 3.16, what did he say? For God so loved the world. Right? That he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So we see the mission of the Lord Jesus Christ was the mission of the Father. And we see the mission of the Father was to seek and to save the, uh, that which was lost, which became the mission of the Lord Jesus Christ, because they are all one. And it became the work of the Holy Spirit of God as well. But there was a plan. What? Well, there was a plan that God established here. There is a plan that God enacted, let me say it this way, that God enacted, that if the mission was going to be carried out, he had to have a plan, and we saw it kind of foreshadowed in Genesis chapter 3, right? Adam and Eve really messed up, they sinned, their eyes were opened, right? And the first thing they noticed, I think this is fascinating really, and uh, the first thing they noticed that they was both naked, naked, not naked, sorry, Jack knew what I was saying, but naked. They were both without clothing. They noticed that. And the first thing that God did was He went and He dressed them up. I like that. God knows how to clothe us. I don't mean to get into that tonight. But God clothed Adam and Eve with the skins of an animal. With the skins of an animal. An animal an animal had to be, had to be uh, sacrificed. An animal had to be killed to clothe Adam and Eve. They were clothed with the... Outer layer, the clothing, the skin of somebody else. And uh, some of you here understand. What a great foreshadowing, and that is that we have been clothed with the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not our own righteousness, but His righteousness, and the blood was shed, and the sacrifice was made so that we could be clothed in His righteousness. And you move on to Genesis chapter 22, and you see the plan of God unfolding as He had called out Abraham, and He had said, I've ch- I, I, have ch- I have counted you righteous. Why? Because He believed God, and He counted Him righteous. He said, from your seed I make and a covenant out of your seed is going to be the stars of the of the sky and the sand of the sea and, I, and and the gentiles are going to be blessed in you and he made this promise of land and all this stuff right and God finally gave, the, the, the promised seed came, right? 100 years old he was, 90 years old Sarah was. The promised seed come, and here he is, he's grown up, this Isaac is. He's maybe nearing 18 years old or so, some have said. And God comes to Abraham, and he says, I want you to offer your only son Isaac. Why? She said, the son whom thou lovest, I want you to offer him up. And Abraham, you notice God called once, and Abraham answered immediately, and he, went, he took that three-day journey to the mountains of Moriah. And as he's walking up those mountains of Moriah with, with Isaac, and he left the servants behind, and he's walking up him and Isaac alone. Isaac said, Father, we have the wood and we have the fire. Where's the lamb? He knew about, he understood sacrifice. He, he understood that. He said, where is the lamb? And, and prophetically, Abraham said, God will provide himself the lamb. He's going to provide himself. And I like that because some 2,000 years later, on the same mountains of Moriah, right, the Father walked his lamb. Up the hill of Calvary, up the hill of Golgotha, and offered him up, and we see that that plan of God unfolding there in genesis, we see it in deuter in, 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 in uh, G- genesis three and genesis twenty two we see it in Leviticus for what God says in seventeen eleven for the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I 've given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the souls, so for thirteen hundred years from Egypt to Jesus. A lamb was slain every year at that Passover to to cover, watch, to cover, not take away, to cover the sins of the people year by year continually. It was a part of the plan of God. And we see in Hebrews chapter 10, though, the writer of Hebrews tells us that the blood of bulls and goats couldn't take away sin Right? The, the, the yearly sacrifice couldn't take away sin forever. He said somebody else, listen, something else, somebody else needs to come and take away sin. And just as Abraham said that God was going to provide himself the Lamb, the second person of the Godhead, Jesus Christ one day, from the foundation of the world it was determined, but in the, in, in the, in the coming of time, right? In the fullness of time, Jesus, Jesus put on human flesh. And he was born of that Virgin Mary. He came with the perfect blood of God, not with the blood of Adam. And he lived a perfect, sinless life. And it was the blood of God that had to be shed. Hold on, here it is. We know it today. They didn't see it then. They, they had faith in it. They were trusting it. They were waiting for it. But we see it clear and plain. We see the Lord Jesus Christ now, right? It was the blood of the Lord Jesus that was going to be shed. This was how the mission was going To be executed. Jesus was going to lay down his life as the Lamb of God. And it was John the Baptist himself who said, Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. So from the foundation of the world, the earthly destination of Jesus was Calvary. Always was. Always was. He never took his eye off the mission at one point the Bible says he set his eyes like a flint. At another place when Mary found him in the, in the temple and they had forgot him and supposed he was with them and went back and they found him in the temple uh, uh, disputing with the, the, with the, with the religious uh, leaders there. And they, she said, where were you? Don't you know that we were looking for you? And he says, mother, wish you not that I must be about my father's business? Wow, I love that because the Bible says Mary pondered these things in her heart. You know where else she pondered in her heart? When the angel came and told her that she was with child and what was going to happen to her and what was going to come upon her. She pondered them in her heart. What does it mean? She didn't say it out loud. She just had to take it all in. You know what I'm convinced of? When Jesus said, "Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? She pondered in her heart. You know what I think she came to the realization? He knows who he is. His father was a carpenter. He's 12 years old. He's not doing much. Yeah, yeah, he knows who he is. Jesus was always determined to go to Calvary. He always knew what he was supposed to do. He said at one point, If I I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. What did he understand? That the lifting up was that of Calvary. And here in our text in verse 18, he said, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem. He is headed on. On to Calvary. If Jesus is going to fulfill the will of the Father, he has to get to Calvary. This is God's plan. It's, it's God's plan, but not only that, it's, his determ- it's Jesus' determination. Look in verse 18. He says, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem... And the Son of Man shall be betrayed under the chief priests and under the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death. And what we see here is what is actually going on here is the preparation of his disciples. He took them apart, the Bible says, in the way. They're walking the road going to Jerusalem. He's headed to be crucified. And along the way, Jesus stops. And he takes a little rest, maybe. Maybe it was a good time to rest. And he set them aside and he said, listen, this is what's going to happen. Let me fill in some details of what's going to happen up in Jerusalem. And uh, he said, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed. Wait a minute. Judas was sitting there. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Did Judas know what he was going to do yet? I don't know. But Jesus already knew. Even if he didn't know, Jesus already knew before Judas knew. Yep. He said the Son of Man is going to be betrayed. He said he's going to be condemned to death. He's going to be delivered unto the Gentiles. Well, that's a real dig to a Jew, right? To be delivered over to the Gentiles. I might remind you the Gentiles uh, or Israel had no authority uh, to, for capital punishment. It was controlled by Rome and only the Roman government had the authority to execute capital punishment. He said they're, they're going to be delivered unto the Gentiles. And he said here that he will, uh, the Son of Man himself will be mocked will be scourged and will be crucified. But they missed this all. The third day, he's going to rise again. Amen. And we know he did. I was, oh man, I was over in Jerusalem. Remember that? 2019 over in Israel. Walked in that tomb and I looked in and I said, yep, still empty. (laughs) It's still empty. I love it. Uh, That was one of the greatest places of the trip to go to and to walk in there and to see that. Man, that was wonderful. I loved it. He said, I'm going to rise again the third day. Amen. Jesus is determined. He is determined that he's going to do the will of the Father and he's going to do his will all the way to a Roman crucifixion. He will not be deterred. It's his determination. I want to show you something else. There's kind of a double destination here. For lack of a better word, I spent, I don't know how much time trying to think of another word that worked. I just, can't. Right. So I just think a double, des- not double predestination, <laughs> a double destination. Right. He's headed to Calvary. He's not going to be talked out of it. He's not going to be talked out of it by Peter. God, for you know, Lord forbid, you know, Peter said, right, over my dead body, I'm not going to let this happen to you. Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou saver is not the things that be of God. Jesus told him, right. Peter tried to stop him. I think Satan tried to stop him in the Garden of Gethsemane. The Bible said over in the when when we saw when he was uh, when he was uh, uh, tempted in the wilderness. The Bible says that Satan left for a season. He came back. He came back. Jesus said, not my will. Hey, if, this, if it's possible, Father, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but thine be done. There was a wrestling going on here, and uh, it might be a little interjection, but I would, I, would, I would not be surprised one bit, let me say it that way, if Satan didn't show up there and try to hinder him from the cross. So he's headed to Calvary. He's going so he might fulfill the will of the Father. Right? Why? He's not willing that any should perish. He said, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked over in Ezekiel. But there's another aspect here to the will of God. John 17 says this. In the glory which thou gavest me, I, Jesus is speaking here, he's praying to his father, I have given them that they may be one even as we are one. That they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, Thou, Father, in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that Thou hast sent me, and hast loved them, and Thou hast loved me. Do you hear this in Jesus' prayer? The will of the Lord Jesus and the will of the Father and the will of the Holy Spirit of God. For the Godhead is all in agreement and is is entirely involved in all of this. But the will of the Father, the will of the Godhead is that mankind is redeemed, watch, and ultimately made one with God in Jesus Christ. Identification. The Father wants His redeemed to be just like His Son. This is the only case in a family where it's okay to say, can't you be like your older brother? <laughs> yeah. yeah. He wants our identity to be Jesus Christ. He wants the world to look at us. He wants the world to watch us. He wants the world to hear us and say, boy, that strange kind of sounds like Jesus, Right? Remember Acts 4.13, now when they had saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. It was evident in what they said. It was evident in how they lived. It was evident in what they were preaching. They had identified with the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the will of the Father. This is the will of God for you and I that we are identified with Jesus Christ. So how does he accomplish the goal of identity? Would you look at verse 18? You see what he says? He says, behold, we go up. Behold, we go up to Jerusalem. These are Jesus' disciples. Hold on. They're following him. He's leading them. He says, we are going up. What is he doing? He's leading them straight to Calvary. And they're going to be there. He said, Men, you're going to come and watch and see my final work. You're coming with me. Yeah. You're going with me to this one. He's bringing, watch, he's, he's bringing them to the crucifixion, he's bringing them to his death and crucifixion. They're going to be brought right into the middle of the trial. Judas himself is going to betray him. The other ten are going to run away. Only John and some of the women are going to stay there at the foot of that mess of the end of the cross that they're going to see. But he's bringing them there. Watch. He is bringing them there on purpose. Obviously it's on purpose. God does, does God do anything haphazardly? This was the will of the Lord Jesus Christ that his disciples came with him to Calvary. I mean, it just think of the Garden of Gethsemane. How many times did Jesus said, "Can you pray with me for one hour? Can you watch for me for an hour?" Three times. Finally, he comes back. Sleep on. It's accomplished. He wanted them there in the Garden of Gethsemane. He wanted them watch. I think he wanted them there to hear his prayer to the Father. Could you imagine what they missed? when they slept through the prayer of Jesus, when He's crying out to His Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from Me. What did they miss? What do you and I miss when we cease to follow? Hmm. He's leading them to Calvary. He's bringing them there. Why? Because if you're going to be one with the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to have to not only identify with His life, you are going to have to identify with His death. You get it? Matthew sixteen twenty two 22-25, I alluded to this earlier. The Bible says Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou art an offense to me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Then said Jesus unto, unto his disciples, If any man come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me, for whosoever shall save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. 1 Corinthians 2, 2, the apostle Paul said, For I determined uh, to, not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. What does that mean, in him crucified? Right? He, he Obviously he knew that Jesus was crucified. This is way after the fact, friend. What is Paul saying? He said, "I determined not to know, uh, to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ, I want to know him, watch, and I want to identify with him, and I want to identify with his crucifixion. I want to identify with him." Philippians 3:10, what a, what a powerful verse when Paul said that I might know him. That I might know Him. That was the the heart and the desire of the Apostle Paul to know the Lord Jesus Christ deeper than he had ever known Him. And he realized how he would get there. He said that I might know Him and the power of His resurrection. Hold on a minute. And the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death. Paul said, You know how I get to know the Lord Jesus Christ? When I identify with His death. See, I must identify with Christ to know Him spiritually, I must identify with Christ. To follow Him, I've got to identify with Christ. To know Him in a, in a sense of fellowship and relationship that way. And the only way that you or I can identify with Christ is through death and crucifixion. No, He brought the, he brought the disciples up there to Calvary not, not to go through what He was going to go through. We can't do that. That's not possible. Wait, but they were going to go through their own death and crucifixion. They said, wasn't this the one that we trusted? Remember as the the two two disciples were walking back to Emmaus? We thought this was him. We thought this was the one. I mean, think about it, friend. Their hopes were shattered. Their lives were turned upside down. They they had all of their hope and trust in this one man. And here he is lying in a grave in, in Jerusalem. And they're just going home after three and a half years. Their life was wrecked. Yeah. They had to die to some stuff. They had to die to their own understanding of what Jesus, His purpose in, this, in, in His coming was. Oh, they had their idea, did they not? He was going to come and He was going to rescue them from Rome and He was going to set up His kingdom and they're going to rule and reign with Him and He's just going to usher it all in and I'm telling you, the, it was all going to be perfect again. But no, He died. And he says, I want you to come watch this. Why? Because they had some things that had to die too. He brought them there on purpose. Crucifixion. It's a place of pain. Excruciating. That's where you get that word excruciating. The word cross. You get the word crucifixion from that word excruciating. Is a word of excruciating. Is a place of excruciating pain. It was a place of agony, hours, sometimes days, to die, suffocating to death, bleeding to death, hemorrhaging to death. It was a place of humiliation. They would strip them down naked without any clothes and hang them up there in front of all of the public to see. Maybe I don't know. Maybe just a few feet off the ground, way too close for comfort. Yeah. It's a place of humiliation. Ultimately, is a place of death. If you were being led off to Golgotha, if you were being led off to Calvary, it meant you weren't coming back. You weren't coming back. Can I tell you something tonight? Jesus took his disciples to Calvary and he takes us as well. If we are going to be identified with the Lord Jesus Christ, he is going to bring us to a Calvary. Can I tell you tonight? Can I encourage you tonight in this? Don't despise the trials. Hallelujah. Why? He's trying to conform us to the image of his son. He's taking us to Calvary with him. So we can identify with him. Don't run from the tribulations. Because God has allowed them in your life. So you can identify with the Lord Jesus. Don't question the tragedies too much because he's attempting to get you to a place where you can identify with the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't get bitter in the hard circumstances. God has allowed them to be your Calvary and to be your Golgotha. He has brought you there, watch, because there is something that needs to die in your life. And you know what it is namely? You know what it is, right? It's our will. It's our will. In the midst of our trials, in the midst of our tribulations, in the midst of our questions, in the midst of our life being just shook upside down and, and shook all over the place and, and messed up our plans and our, and our hopes and our dreams. are just It seems like they're shattered and, and blown up in front of us, right? He has, he has done that. He has brought us there Right, So we might have the same prayer as the Lord Jesus Christ in our garden of Gethsemane when we say, Father, I don't get it. I don't, I, not my will, but thine be done. But if it's possible, could you fix this? God, if it's possible, could you take this away? Lord, if it's possible, could you change this circumstance? Father, if it's possible, could, 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 could you bring them back? Lord, if it's possible, could you do this? And the point of the Calvary is for us to say this. Nevertheless, not my will but thine be done when we get there we are getting closer to the place of identifying with the Lord Jesus Christ and when we get there the the, the world will see that they'll see that he wants you to be one with him let me ask you tonight is God leading you somewhere where you haven't wanted to go? I didn't want to move here. I didn't want this change in my life, this time of my life. I didn't want to be dealing with this at this stage of life. I thought maybe that'd be later. I didn't want, I, I, I didn't think This is how all of the work and labor would end. I thought it would be a little different. Maybe it's through trials in your life. Maybe it's through pain and suffering, whether emotional or physical. Life choices maybe you didn't even really want to go through. God has led you there. God has led you there. At this late stage of life, yes. Because you're still not conformed to the image of Christ. Perfectly, are you? (laughs) Yeah. So what do we do? When God leads you to his Calvary, when he takes you with him to Calvary, when he leads you to yours, what do you do? Well, you yield to it. Right? I say this often, yielding and surrender are really two different things much better to yield before you have to surrender (laughs) yield to it not my will but thine be done father thou knowest all things right yield to it accept it as an avenue of crucifixion and identify with Christ in it it's amazing to me I was putting these this message together and this morning I just opened up a, as you most of you know Chambers is Oswald Chambers is one of my top top reads I, I enjoy him a lot and uh, obviously I don't probably wouldn't give a full-throated you know commendation there's always things that we might not agree on that of course you know people. But he did say this, which was wonderful. Chambers said, we are too much given to thinking of the cross as something we have to get through. Oh, I just got to get through this. I got to get past this. You know, just trying to get to the other side. Right. He says, we think of it too often as something we have to get through. We get through it, he says, we get through it only to get into it we get through it the purpose of getting through it he says is getting into it he said the cross stands for one thing only for us a complete and entire and absolute identification with the lord jesus christ and when you come to that place and we when we come to that place in our life it is there when we will know the fellowship of the lord jesus christ it is there when we'll experience a oneness with Christ that we never have had before. It was that thing that Paul was longing for. It was that thing that Paul was the drive of his entire life was to know him and the in the in the power of his resurrection and 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 to me, in the fellowship of his suffering, he went on to say. Paul just he wanted to know Christ. Saints, listen, listen. He's attempting to. To make you like Jesus Christ. Let him do it. Trust him. Trust him. Our Father, thank you tonight. What a marvel it is to even think that we could be one with Christ in such a way of fellowship and relationship. And it seems even more of a marvel that that was your will and it was your prayer and the prayer of the Lord Jesus. That we would be one like you and the Lord Jesus are one. What a thought. And Father, as you take us and lead us up to our Calvary, as you lead us up to our place of pain, as you lead us to our place of agony, as you lead us to our place of humiliation. As you lead us up to our place of death, may you help us to always remember that it's that we might be identified with the Lord Jesus Christ and be one with him and live such a life that the world knows that this is real. This is real. Would you do that work in us tonight? Father, if there's anybody that's been struggling in this lately, would you help them to come to the place tonight of trusting you and yielding to you in whatever the circumstance, whatever the Calvary is in their life, that they would yield to you tonight and trust you and walk out of here with the joy of the Lord and the closeness of the Lord Jesus and allow you in, it would allow you to make them one with the Lord Jesus. Would you do that work today? We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't we stand tonight? The instrument is going to play. The invitation is open. However, the Lord has spoken to you tonight. You can stay right in your seat there and spend some time with the Lord in prayer. Has the Lord brought you to a Calvary that you haven't really wanted? Would you yield to it tonight? He's working in you. He's working. Any other needs you have, you come.